On this episode of the Career Musician Podcast, we have Chastity Ashley, founder and creator of an amazing hybrid DJ drum experience called Neon Pony. Now, in addition, this world-renowned and award-winning drummer, percussionist, vocalist, and DJ has worked with the likes of Duran Duran, Kanye West, Frank Walker, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, Mark Ronson, Kesha, and Cypress Hill. With a combined social media following of over a quarter of a million people, Chastity Ashley has solidified her presence in the music biz. Chastity was recognized as a rising star and best pop rock hip hop percussionist. Check her out right here on the Career Musician Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the Neon Pony has arrived. Okay, Chastity Ashley, aka Neon Pony, Welcome to the Career Musician. I've been trying to get you on the show forever, it seems like, and our schedules just never lined up. But now, in I guess almost post-pandemic, we're finally catching up, and I can't wait to share your story with all of our listeners because I truly believe what you are doing is the epitome of what a career musician should be doing. Thank you, love. Right on. <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so stoked to be here. So stoked. Indeed. Indeed. So at first look, if somebody goes to your Instagram, uh, Chastity Ashley, then they can also go to your Neon Pony Music Instagram. You, they're going to just get bombarded with all of this cool stuff. I love how you bridge the gap between real musicianship and a really slick and appealing aesthetic. You know, like you, you really get it. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Super. Dumb. So, okay. Let's start at the beginning. What I always like to say is, you know, music is something that we do oftentimes, especially at this level, once we're doing it for, you know, as a profession, it's really not even a choice. It's like music chose us, right? Yeah, totally. Exactly. So, when did you get bit by the music bug? When did that happen for you? I mean, I would seriously say, like, I was probably, like, eight years old. I mean, truly. And the thing about it is that, you know, I don't come from a music family. My parents, you know, didn't play instruments. Like, nobody in my family played instruments. However, when I say they were super music fans, I mean, they were, like, mega music fans going to concerts and participating in the music world was a huge part of their life. And so, you know, my parents, they were teenagers when they had me. And so I kind of had to come along for the ride and be the tripod with them, you know? And so if they were going to a concert, I clearly was going to, it didn't matter which one, it didn't matter if it was a festival, like I was going and if we're in the car, they're bumping their music on full blast. Like I didn't get the earmuffs. I just had to like go along for the ride, you know? And so because they were so enthusiastic and so in love and passionate that I became so impassioned myself and I started singing and playing beats on chairs and tables and whatever kind of music that I could make with my hands or my voice. And the crazy part is that when I really started to fall in love with it and decided that this is what I really wanted to do was more along around 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, wholeheartedly, like the only reason why I wanted to play music is because it 
felt just so damn good. And it just felt so good. I mean, it just felt so nurturing to my soul. Like I didn't think about anything other, truly, I didn't think about anything other than just wanting to create music that I felt inspired me. Because when I would hear songs or artists, I mean, the way they feel made me feel like almost as if I was in an alternate dimension. You know, they say music's an escape. I mean, I, I, I couldn't understand like how music could let me traverse through all these different worlds and experience all these different emotions. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be able to create these alternate worlds. I want to be able to inspire somebody the way that I've been inspired because I don't know what I would be doing with my life if these people didn't inspire me, you know, whether I was, you know, when you're a teenager, like sometimes like the world feels like it's ending, you know, like, especially like when you you have young parents, like I did, you know, there was definitely many battles, you know, and I was, you know, I grew up in East LA, you know, was kind of a rough neighborhood that I grew up in and saying it lightly, you know, so there was like, the music was definitely escapism for me and it helped me tremendously. And so in part, not only did I want to just create, but I wanted to inspire. And that's always been my agenda since day one, you know, and, and I, I wanted to inspire. And then that's when I just hit the ground running. You know, I was like, I need a drum kit like now, but like, that was my first, in, like for, I was already singing, but to me, like playing an instrument along with singing wasn't enough for me. Like I wanted, I had been singing. I was like, my mom put me in like little beauty pageants and, you know, <laughs> nothing like the crazy pageants today where they're like, you know, spray paint, spray painting their bodies and like putting like dentures in. It was nothing like that. It was actually super innocent. And in all honesty, I'm so glad my mom did that because it, it allowed me confidence. It allowed me to get up on a stage and mess up and figure it out. You know, it was, it was great. And, and that's exactly what happened. And so bridging that with, and then I said to myself, I want to be able to play an instrument. Like I want to play an instrument. What instrument did I gravitate towards instantly was the drums. I just instantly gravitated towards it because beats like, you know, I loved dancing. And so like beats were like just so imperative to that part of, of my spirit and my soul. And so my dad's friend actually was playing drums at the time and he was playing for a multiple, multiple different types of bands, no, nothing too crazy. And he's like, Hey, why don't I bring over a, a snare and a hi-hat and a kick drum and we'll see what we could do with that. And I was just like, at the time, like legitimately, like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, sounds good to me. You know? <laughs> so it's exactly what he did. And I lived in this, I, when I say small house, I mean, it was tiny. Like, we, I shared a bedroom with my brother and my sister, like our living room and our kitchen was like just one giant room. It was like super small. And my parents let me put this snare kick drum in hi-hat in my bedroom. And it was, I don't know how they dealt with me. I really don't like there's nothing worse than being around a, a kid that's learning how to play an instrument, let alone drums. Right. Like, right. Like, so gnarly. And he came and showed me a couple of things you know, he's just playing some like four on the floor kind of stuff. And I was just like, all right, cool. I can do that. That seems easy enough. And then I would do it. And I was like, okay, wait a second. It does not sound like that. And so <laughs> I was instantly frustrated, but at the same time, instantly inspired. And so that was the beginning. And he showed me a couple things and I just went off and running and started playing and practicing every single day. day in and day out. I would put on like random stuff to like Tom Petty or like, 
and put, yeah, that was, I played a lot of Tom, my, my dad was a huge Tom Petty fan. So I would just sit there with like all those basic beats. But that's how you learn. Those are the fundamentals, you know? Yeah, the repetition, right? I'm a big fan of repetition, positive repetition. So- yeah. So, okay. Wow. There's so much there to unpack. This is perfect. So, okay. First thing you said, you grew up in East LA rough neighborhood to say the least. Um, what's your, what's your descent? What is your, your, uh, background? Your mom? I, um, yeah, I'm a Spanish Mexican. Okay. And, uh, Apache Navajo. My mom is from, uh, New Mexico, Las Cruces. She was born there and they came here, gravitated here. My father's family was born in Juarez, and they migrated here. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so you have a couple things going for you. You have this unique cultural background. Uh, you're growing up in, in in an area of LA, like you said, that's rough. But and also, your parents are young, which is totally cool because, like you said, you're going along for the ride. I love how you said you were the little tripod. <laughs> you're just like tagging along, uh, and then on top of it. You chose drums. Now, I think that's really interesting because, you know, let's be honest, the music the music world has been dominated by men for so long. And finally, women are like, no, screw that, man. We've been here and we we're, we need to get our, you know, our notoriety. We're not going anywhere. And also something that you don't see as common is a female drummer. So... I really love the fact that you gravitated towards that. Can you shed some light on that? Maybe perhaps there's a, some young female drummers out there who are going to hear your story and be inspired. You know, how did you, you know, how did you just stick to your guns and say, no, nah, this is what I'm doing regardless. Like, you know, screw it. This is me. This is who I am. Yeah, it was, you know, and it's funny because like at the time, like, you know, when I was getting started, like the fact that I was a female, like, never crossed my mind like that was never uh, like, a thing it was always like i just want to be badass you know i just want to be great that has always and that's how i was raised you know my dad I, I was it was i played a lot of sports when i was a kid i mean i played hardball with boys like i was um, like i was playing basketball co-ed basketball and so it was always like nice. like yeah my, my dad would always be like you know like suck it up suck it up you know because i'd be uh-huh. like and you'd be like, so I don't want to hear any, no, no whining. Like right. you'll be all right. You know, you'll be all right. I'm like, all right. So like, I was always having to have this like, kind of like tough shell, even though I'm like a total baby Buddha on the inside. I mean, I still sleep with my mom puppy for God's sakes, you know? So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I folk and, you know, for any, yeah, for any young ladies that are, that are out there, like, yeah, I mean, I find it to be so vital to, you know, wrap yourself around the merit of being just the greatest version of yourself, despite whatever you are, you know, like it could be like, well, you know, it's hard for me. Like, oh, I come from a, you know, really bad neighborhood. My parents had no money. They're teenagers. I'm a girl in industry. Like none of that just, I was just like, none of that ever crossed my mind. I was just like, I just want to be amazing. And how do I obtain being amazing? And and that's what I did. And I hit the ground running with that mentality. Like, kind of like, you know, some of my favorite movies were like The Karate Kid or like mm-hmm. Rock. You know, because like all those movies were about perseverance, you know? 
it was all about like, you're the underdog. You have all these odds against you, but like, you're not going to sit there and like, take it. You're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way to get there. And I'm, I'm, and, and by golly, when I do, I'm going to be even stronger and greater because I had to overcome all this adversity, you know? And so for that, I, my, you know, again, when I wanted to buy a drum kit, my parents were like, well, <laughs> can't really afford that. So I got a job. Like I worked as like a day camp counselor. I'm like freaking 14 years old, right. Working. And I, uh, saved up enough money at that point to like get like at least a decent snare and like, you know, my own kick drum and my own hi hat. And then something hit me. I went to a drum circle with my friends and I saw for the first time a djembe. Mm. And when I went to this drum circle, I took a gonga with me, by the way, I was like, I, I knew that they were going to go to a drum circle. And I was like, well, I can't take a drum kit with me. So like my dad's friend had some gongas. He's like, oh, you can borrow my Mina. And I was like, cool. And so I don't, to this day, and he's rest in peace. He's no longer with us. I put a strap on this conga and nailed it. into the conga <laughs> Dude, I can't believe he was okay with that. I, so, crazy. so I go to this freaking drum circle with the conga, and then I see for the first time a chimbe, and these guys are playing this chimbe, and I'm like, oh my god, what is that? What is that? And it's yeah. so ridiculous and so amazing. So after, so that day, I'm like, I need to get one of those. So there I am, back saving, you know, the little freaking twenty dollars a week or whatever I'm earning at the time, you know, allowance, trying to wash dishes around the house or what have you, and I'm a uh, I save up enough money to go get this gym bay and I drive over my uncle Chuko takes me on a motorcycle. He's like a stone cold cholo takes me on a motorcycle, no helmets on go to guitar. Center. I get my gym bay, wrap it around my body and we cru- cruise back on his motorcycle back to my house. And it's like one of the greatest days of my life. I'm like, I can't believe I got this gym bay. Right. And so <laughs> I get back and I, I instantly, you know, I start practicing on it because I never had one. I never even had a chance to play one until I bought one, until I went to guitars and I like tapped on it. You know, I just knew I wanted one. And for like six months, I was like so frustrated. I'm like, I, I don't know how they made it sound so amazing. Like how did they do that? And my hands were broken. Like they were just like totally bruised and messed up. And, and then boom, all of a sudden it just, something just clicked. And again, it comes back to repetition, determination, figuring out. And by the way, I couldn't go on YouTube and like figure out how to play like anything. I didn't have any of that. Like I had MySpace. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like YouTube was just barely like becoming a thing, you know? And yeah. so I couldn't just be like, oh, let's go on YouTube and figure out how to play Jim Bay. It was just like, no, homie, you're on your own. <laughs> so like, so like, wow. Yeah. That's so many things right there that I really want this generation to understand uh, a couple words that stand out, a couple words that I love, uh, and I can tell you do too. Perseverance, you know, determination, you took initiative, tenacity, but then also the biggest one for me is consistency, right? So it's like if you if you study uh, uh, health and, and any kind of training about the body, if you don't do it five days a week consistently, at least, you're not going to see any results. Same thing with eating, same thing with anything. So like you said, back when we were coming up, uh, there was no YouTube and Instagram and things of that nature, TikTok. <laughs> uh 
and we had to learn from books. We had to lock ourselves in the room and practice, practice, practice. But then, like you said, you hit that turning point and all those hours, right? Like the outliers, the 10,000 hours and stuff. But I believe people like us, we put in 30,000 hours, you know, uh, 40,000 hours, you know, <laughs> you hit that turning point. But now I think it's too easy because you can literally type, you can go to YouTube and type in how to play djembe. Yep. And it just pops up. And maybe within like three or four lessons, you're already eons ahead from where you would have been. I think that's amazing on one hand. On the other hand, I think it's also a little detrimental to the organic growth, right? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. And, and having your own voice and having your own style, you yeah. know, then it becomes, and, and again, I think it's fantastic and beautiful. There's so many wonder, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm an unabashed optimist. I always have been, you know, and I, I, I like that about you. I recognize that from day one. And I think that's why we connected. I really dig that. Yeah. And, you know, I, great that you can go on YouTube and do all that and learn things. And trust me, I've done it a thousand times because, you know, in this age, I'm having to like become a Photoshop expert and a friggin' right. video editor and a, and a, a recording engineer and a, a lighting technician. And it's crazy. All the stuff that I've had to, all the skills I've had to acquire in this day, in this day and age. But the point that I'm trying to make is that, Sometimes when it comes to something like playing an instrument, right? It's one thing if you're like trying to learn how to like, you know, build a desk or learn a couple of like shortcuts, you know, with your equipment. It's another thing when you're trying to pick up an instrument mm-hmm. and you go and you like kind of YouTube something because I think what happens is that people get easily distracted, right? It's so easy to get distracted, right? And so you're like, oh, I can just go and you know, I'll just go click on that. And I can just figure out some things and you kind of, you know, you do your thing and you're like, "Mm, all right, next, you know, whereas like someone like myself, like I had to just sit there and like figure it out 
over and over and over and over. And so yes. it didn't deter. It, I didn't, it didn't detour me because I was just like in the zone where I'm like, I have to figure it out and there's no other way. There's nothing else. Like it's like having to float above the water. Like if you don't have a raft or you don't have, you know, any kind of life preserver, you got to do everything you can to stay on top of that water. And that's why I felt with music. I'm like, I, I'm not going to learn it or I'm not going to become great unless I consistently try and figure this out, you know? And so, and that's what I did. And then sure enough, I, um, I, I became, you know, I became really strong and passionate about playing djembe while also simultaneously playing full drum kit. And so when I went to music school, finally, the funny part is at this point, I'd already been playing for like at least five years by myself with no real lessons, so to speak. So it was really interesting because I get there and there was a couple of bad habits I had, according to the teachers, right? But then there was also something else that I had that some, a lot of the other kids didn't have, which was this sense of like style that I developed that otherwise you can't teach, you know, some specifically would be like feel, right? Like you can't teach feel. And that's not just drums, that's guitar, that's bass, that's any instrument, any instrument, right? And I, there were some kids in there that were like, really, they, it's like they understood like how to read and charts and what have you. But the minute they got behind that kit, like they, they had no feel. There was no soul in what they were doing, right? It was very just kind of rigid. And I had, that's what I had going for me was I had this feel, right? This natural feel, this vibe. And it helped, it helped propel me once I started getting all these tools and, and learning more, you know, in depth about the, the craft that I pursued. Then it really came together in a way that, I had never thought would occur, you know, being that I thought, you know, sometimes I was a little discouraged at some moments where they were like, you got bad habits. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? That, and that's, you just said it, you articulated that perfectly. Oftentimes those little habits are what make you unique as right an artist. So I think that's so important. And I do agree. Learn the fundamentals, learn the, the chops and, and how to read and all that stuff. But really, you know, cultivate your own voice. And you're so right. It's lacking. And the only way to do that is you have to fucking get off YouTube. You have to just fucking sit there in the room with your instrument and just find it. Yep. And, and And it could take days or it could take years, but it'll it'll come to you. Right. Yeah, it, it does. It, it really does. And that's what was even more interesting. Like uh, when I, with Jimbe, um, I mean, I really was pretty self-taught with Jim. I, I, I am pretty self, 90% self-taught because when I was in music school, we didn't really pursue Jimbe that much. It was more about bullkit, timbales, congas you know, keyboards, like I had to, you know, learn all those. Jimmy wasn't really a thing. It's just hasn't really been a mainstream instrument, so to speak, you know? Right. And that's been really interesting to me is that I've been bringing it to this level in the, in the, in the pop in like in the pop world where again, it was one of those things that I didn't even think about. It wasn't like, Oh, there's no Jimbe in pop music. I'm going to play Jimbe. It was like, 
no, I freaking love Jim Bay. It's everything to me. I'm going to figure out a way how to make it work. <laughs> and I love that. It's, that's the coolest thing. And it's so evident. Like I said, if you go to your website, your socials, not only do you see the Jim Bay and the other percussion instruments, but you can hear it and you can watch your live shows that you integrated in. And that, that right there, that's the key. You took something that was kind of like a peripheral thing and you took and you made it front and center. And then you built your whole artist, you know, platform upon that. So that's brilliant. So before we get there, because I want to talk about that. That's that's really what I want to focus on is you as an artist. But before we get there, you have a beautiful resume. You've played with lots of big acts. Kanye West, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, Kesha, Cypress Hill. But let's talk about Duran Duran. I mean, right now, everybody's, you know, for the past several years, at least a couple handfuls of years, everybody's infatuated with the 80s. Duran yeah. Duran owned the 80s you know so it's like let's talk about that how did you bridge the gap from being a local musician in la to landing those gigs with some of the big names big name artists that you did what was that like that that, that pathway it was funny the universe is a funny place and let me tell you you know i i always believe in the power of intention and really truly believe that. And in order for the power of intention to occur, like we said earlier, you need to put yourself out there and you need to persevere and you need to make things happen. You can't just wait for things to happen, you know? Right. Some people get so caught up in like and I find this to this day when people ask me, they're coming up, they're starting out, they're like, you know, what label should I reach out to? Like, who should I talk to? Like, what manager should I reach out to? As like okay, pause. Like what you need to do is be so freaking ridiculous at what you do that these people believe me when I tell you, they will find you. Yes. <laughs> yes. They'll yes. find you. If you're amazing, concentrate on writing an incredible song, concentrate on being incredible at your instrument. Then those things will come together because what happens is everybody gets so focused on like wanting to, make it or whatever you know you want to call it that the music suffers and so it's like what are you even doing it for if you're not you know focusing on being incredible at your craft all the other stuff is meaningless and then that's you know how you know uh, careers kind of go in these you know various directions but what happened with me so i at that point was playing in a hard rock band and i, I was on the band's warp tour and we were doing really great things that the band was doing I was singing and playing djembe and I wanted to get an endorsement. I was like, look, I'm touring a lot. You know, this djembe is at the forefront. Like I got to get with a percussion company. Like I, I, I wanted to join with a percussion company that I, you know, I'm passionate about. So I make a phone call, like straight up cold call. I cold call, took a percussion. I saw they were having some event. I was like, I'd like to be a part of this event. I heard you guys are like, Percussionist, etc. Leave a message. I don't hear back. I try again. I'm like, hey, it's me again. I sure you got the first message. I get a call back from A and R at the time there, and he was like, hey, you missed you missed the whole you know contest or whatever. But like, I'm interested in like kind of what you were saying because I was like telling him how I played Jim Bay, I played a hard rock band, and just kind of like 
okay. So I kind of caught their ear on that. And he's like, how about this? Why don't you come down to the NAM? Are you coming to the NAM show? I was like, I always go to the NAM show. I <laughs> NAM show. And, uh, you know, we'll talk and, you know, see what you got. You know, I was like, done. <laughs> so I show up to the NAM show. I'm like all prepped and ready. I go up there and like, hey, you know, it's me. You know, meet my aunt, Art, Vic Villanovich, who's now at Zildjian. I love you, Vic. You're the best. He's my hero. Um, he literally changed my life. And so I go there and uh, I start, he's like, let's see what you got. You know, so I start jamming on Jim Bay and just like going for it. And he's just like, all right. Okay. All right. You know, I think, I think we should bring you on. You know, I was like, no way. I was like, yes. I was like, awesome. Like right after Nam, maybe a few weeks later, signed me up a contract, you know, for uh, me to be a part of that percussion family. And so what was really great about Vic at the time being A&R, who's all about grooming new artists. And, you know, he, you know, they focused on some of their bigger artists too, but they're really big on like bringing up new artists. And so he asked me, he was like, Hey, would you like, I'd like to incorporate you on this new uh, ad that we're doing for the percussion company. And it was also with Justin Timberlake drummer, right? So I was like, Oh my God, Terry. And so in, I go into this photo shoot. It's awesome. And then I was at with the company at that point, maybe like three or four months, give and take and a phone call came through saying, Hey, we're uh, looking for a, uh, fiery uh female percussionist if you know of any you throw them our way yeah <laughs> Vic is like actually i have somebody perfect this is who she is here's her you know facebook or what have you and you know here you go so sure enough they go check me out look at my videos that i had posted and what have you and then i get a phone call from john taylor <laughs> who is the bass player of Duran Duran. And he's like, hi, John, now you have to understand, like my parents were really big Duran Duran fans, but I didn't really know their names, you know? So when he called me, I was just like, oh, is he the manager? <laughs> like, is he like, I didn't know he was actually a band member, right? When I look back, it's like hilarious now. But so he was like, hey, you know, we watched your videos and, you know, Vic, you know, Vic recommended you and uh, yeah, you're hired. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, you know what? You don't need me to come like audition in person. Like, you know, you know, we're, we're good. He's like, we, we all saw everything and uh, yeah, you're hired. Um, we have a show in two weeks. Can you, you know, make it happen? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> they end up like sending me some songs, but they're like, we're not sure what songs we're going to have you on, but, uh, you know, just kind of listen to these songs and, you know, we'll figure it out when we get there. So my first show was in Pomona, um, at the Pomona theater there. And it was a sold out show. I get there for the rehearsal. First rehearsal, by the way, had, had never played with them ever. They're like, all right, run through like girls on film and through like Rio planet earth. <laughs> Like, all right, that's fine. That'll do. I'm like, we're not going to go through any more songs. Like, nah, yeah, you sound great. We'll be great. I go upstairs. The show is in like three hours. He's like, hey, so we were going to just have you play on these songs, but can you play on all these other songs too? I'm like, 
oh my God, what? <laughs> he gives me a pair of headphones, literally he gives me a pair of headphones. Like, here you go. And so there I am like charting, like, oh my God, wish that maybe I'll do this. Okay. I'll play Timbales on this parter. Yeah. And I'm just like, Shh. and then I go, can you like tape it on the ground? Like let's tune my kit, you know, where I, yeah. yeah. So, and then sure enough, I end up carrying off the set with planet earth and i'm like the highlight the beginning with uh, on the um the spdsx right electronic spdsx which is a, a, a drum pad and i just like literally like did the sign of the cross like oh my god dear lord please <laughs> let me not mess this up right and sure enough like boom just went like i said sold out show we went off without a hitch i mean i just immerse myself and just said, this is what you've been working for your whole life. Like just do it, like do your best, you know, do not get nervous. Just like play from your soul, play from your heart. Enjoy, enjoy the, be present, be present. And I, that's one of something that I try to tell everybody when they ask me, you know, when they're playing or performing, what have you, I always say, be present. Like, don't forget that you're there on that stage that you're so wrapped up and like, in this note with that note or, and, and trust me, we want, we want to play the right songs and, and, you know, and hit all the right beats and what have you, but you got to be present, you know? And when you're present, that is when the magic happens. And so after that day, they asked me to uh, join the group and uh, continue a, a world tour. And the funny part was after that show, we flew to San Francisco the next day. I played in San Francisco. And then the very next day after that, I played Coachella. <laughs> like literally like two shows under my belt never played with them before and now i'm playing in coachella with kanye west like it's it was bananas i'm like what the fudge just happened i went from like playing the van's warp tour on this like crazy people don't even know how crazy that tour is it is so blood sweat and tears i mean you had to literally like help build stages it was nuts yeah. and from that to like jumping on a private jet you know and it was so crazy because spiritually and emotionally, I was prepared for it, you know, because I mean, granted, it was one of those things where I was like, it felt like an overnight, like, you know, a lot of people were like, oh my God, it felt like an overnight situation, but it wasn't because all those years, all that time that I put in, busting my butt, going on tours, right. driving to Arizona to go play for like 10 people in a podunk bar, like people don't understand, like, you need to do those kinds of gigs so that you understand how incredible it is when you get to that point. And, and being a quality, being a true quality, uh, uh, having, having a craft that you have, uh, managed to build out of your perseverance, you know, and what was crazy was there was a moment where I remember like where I'm at the Four Seasons and I'm sitting in this hotel room by my, we all got our own hotel rooms, right? I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is too much. Like I could just seriously stay in a motel six and like, <laughs> like I don't need all this. No, seriously. There's so many moments where I was like, you know, I was like, so, so let's, let's talk about that because I'm glad you brought that up. Most musicians who endeavor upon a career in music, uh, I'm not going to say most, but a large majority don't make it to that level uh, because it's really difficult. It's just, it's, you know, it's few and far in between. 
um, you and I have both been fortunate enough to experience that. Uh, and you're right. There's a, there's a, Huh. There's a part of it that is too much. You're just like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, this is so lavish and unnecessary, right. you know. But at the same time, when you're, you know, of an of a certain echelon, the upper echelon, you know, if it has to be portrayed and presented in a certain way, and you know, look, a rock star is a rock star, and let's face it, Duran Duran are rock stars. So. Excuse me, whether it's somebody like you or myself or Nathan East, right? Or, you know, Vinnie Caliuto or somebody who's been doing this for a long time in their craft, you know, that's, that is the game. And what I always tell musicians is make sure you're ready. And you just said that. You said you were prepared. You were prepared emotionally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And then you had to kind of wrap your mind around it. But I'm sure you made all the right moves because the thing you don't want to do is piss off the wrong people or act, you know, uh, entitled, right. Right. Or like you, like you've arrived. So, so let's talk about that, how you balanced, you know, a sense of humility and, you know, and such, and and those experiences. It's funny because for me, the exact opposite happened. Like it humbled me in a way. Good. I couldn't even like begin to describe. I mean, it put me in this like, like I said, this baby Buddha trance, if you will, because I was just looking around going, oh my God, like this is just I don't I don't I don't need all this. Like I I I this is just so unbelievably wonderful and I'm so grateful that I there was never one moment where I felt anything but just complete gratefulness for the situation. And it's crazy because like fans to this day will hit me up in like any city I went. I was like literally like the last person at the bar, like talking to fans or like talking to people and they would send me things and be like, oh my God, thank you for listening. And I'm like, oh my God, of course. Like it felt so great to be able to be at that level with them and then be able to talk to all these different humans that had all these questions that I could be there to answer. And, and be and be that for them and it oh my god i like buy people drinks there'd be some days where i'm like oh dang oh my god what did what did i spend last night <laughs> 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 in 1942 darn it <laughs> but I, would fans, I would buy fans drinks you know because it just felt cool it just felt felt great it felt great to, i i love to give it's the best feeling ever i mean it when i could see a smile on someone's face or I somehow touched them in a way that made them feel better about their day. Like that's just the ultimate, like coolest feeling ever. Hi, I'm Chastity Ashley, and you're listening to The Career Musician with Nomad. Want to learn more about a particular topic? Tag at The Career Musician and use hashtag Career Musician to let us know what you'd like to hear. Go behind the scenes with host Nomad to gain inside knowledge of entertainment business from the world's leading musicians, artists, producers, managers, and more. I utilized it in a way that helped empower me to be an even better human so that these people that start reaching out to me and, you know, they, they feel some type of like way because, you know, I'm playing this group and connected to that energy 
that I in turn can give them a sense of hope and humility associated with that paradigm, right? And so it was the coolest, you know, there'd be fan- they have their fans are called Durannies. And let me tell you, anywhere you went, they would be waiting for you at a hotel. They would camp out. They, they'd be there when you got there. And they'd be there when you leave. You know, so every night that I'd see them, you know, they'd have all their gear on you. I'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, like, let's talk to them, like, hang out. And be like, oh my God, you know. And I had this school teacher, like, bring around this, like, little doll that, like, was like, she was going on tour, like, following the band around the country. She's like, you think you can get Nick to, like, you know, you know, find the doll or what have you? I was like, of course I can. And, like, she was like, ah. And I'd be like, She's like, oh my God, you have no idea like what you just did for my life. It's just something that small. Like, oh, yeah. like for somebody like that was just it's the coolest feeling ever. And it's so unfortunate. I find, you know, I, look, I, I believe in the I believe in the kindness of people. I believe that most people are good. What happens sometimes with people that are that get to that level too quickly where they play with a Duran Duran or they play with a big artist. If they're not ready, like you said, spiritually, emotionally, letting the ego, which is the false self, I believe the ego is the false self, leading through that false self ends up, to me, being like stepping on the $100 bill to pick up the penny. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Because you're like, what are you doing? Like you, you, this, this is just a part of the bigger scope of what you're walking into by thinking that you're better than anybody else or by thinking that you have this kind of air because of this uh association that you have or what have your people know you it actually sets you back spiritually and dimensionally it it keeps you in a box. It doesn't allow you to have all these other herbs and spices and flavors that could just pepper you all day long. Instead, you've just shrouded yourself, put a freaking umbrella over your head and have not allowed the possibilities of your own life. I mean, it's so unfortunate. And it's funny because it's always the, the bigger artists. And I say bigger, meaning like, I don't even like using that word. Artists more accomplished, I guess you would say. People have more accomplished careers. Those are the ones that are always like the coolest cats ever. And then it's the ones that are like just starting out and not like got their little million views on TikTok, whatever. They're like, ah, and you're like, tiger time. Calm down, right, right. (laughs) So true, so true. All right. <laughs> Man, it's 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 amazing, and, and and we've seen it, we've seen them come and go, and that's the key to success, I believe. What you just said, uh, you know, having the humility to zoom out and to you know to take take a beat and yeah. just appreciate what you have and live in that moment, but don't take advantage of it, right? You know, exactly. exactly. So so now here's the next question, and here's the here's something that I always talk about. What you know. The mission of the career musician, we exist to empower musicians with strategies for a sustainable career. So what does that mean exactly? Well, that means exactly what you and I have done, right? Somebody like yourself, you say, okay, I've done X, Y, Z, but that doesn't mean that I made it. How do I, how do I keep parlaying those uh, uh, experiences into the next? And how do I keep going up the chain of, you know, uh, going down the path, my trajectory, right? 
Well, and that's what sustainability means. How do we sustain these careers? Because music is so fickle and the industry is so finicky and, and literally one minute you're hot, the next minute you're not. So yeah. how, how do we maintain that? Well, when I look at somebody like you, I know exactly how you maintain it. Not only did you, you know, you, like you said, you set your intentions and then you accomplished those goals and you played with all of these, you know, high marquee artists. But then you said, okay, that's not enough. That's not going to sustain me forever. So now I'm going to create my own artistry and I'm going to build that. And that's the key right there that I always talk about because I say, you know, it all starts with the decision. First, it starts with the decision to be great at what we do. And you said that from a very <laughs> early age. And then it starts with another decision. Wow, that was really obnoxious. Sorry, I'll edit that out. Uh, then, then the other decision is to keep pursuing our artistry and our and our you know a craft and get better at it. But then that other decision is like, you know what? Am I going to do this for real? Am I going to be an artist? Because I feel like a lot of us have that voice in us, but sometimes it gets stifled because, you know, whatever reason, we get discouraged, the industry beats us up, you know, we, we pay our dues, and then we feel like, I don't know, maybe we have nothing to offer, but you didn't stop. You took it to that next level. So how did Neon Pony you know, get birth. How did, how did you, how did you create that? And, and talk about that. Cause it's a really cool experience. Thank you. I mean, honestly, it, it, you know, kind of segueing from what you said. Yeah. The, the industry is very tempestuous. I mean, true. Mm -hmm. like you said, one moment, I, I forget which I'm forgetting the name of the artist right now, but he was, he was a uh, chair, not chair, bomb, bomb something. Anyway, he was a singer in a band. Band did really good. They had, you know, a couple of, you know, cool hits. And then the band just like disappeared and he ended up becoming like a guitar tech. He literally was signed artist, like band was doing great. Then hot one minute, not the next. Now what? He needs to make money. So he starts guitar teching. And then while he's on tour, decides to write some more songs. And then bam, freaking song hits. It's like, you know, that's on. Hey, you're crazy, rich. Like that, that song, like just freaking launch, boom, resurgence all over again. Like uh, a roller coaster, right? Where you're like, you're on top and now you're guitar teching someone else's show. And now you managed to come back. Like not a lot of people could come back that way, you know? And right. like you got it. People, like you said, it's just because you've gotten to this point doesn't mean you just made it. It's like you got to keep continuing on and building and growing. And that's exactly what I did when I was on tour. I was thinking about it already when I was on tour going, okay, when I get off this tour, I want to create something that is unique to my spirit and my soul because I have a voice too. And when you're playing with other artists, it's wonderful and incredible and amazing, but it's their thing. It's their art. It's That's their, right. you know, it's their spirit immersed in that. Right. And it's great. So by having your own platform, it allows you to have your voice, to have your vision, have your artistry and celebrating that, celebrating what's inside, getting that out. And so that's what I started doing. I started thinking about the type of music I wanted to write. And it was interesting. Um, I was writing um, some new songs. Actually, one of the songs I'll be putting out later this summer, um, I had asked Simon, I said, 
hey, what do you think of these lyrics? You know, he's listening and he's like, you're being too safe. You know, and I was just like, really? What do you mean? You're being too safe. He's like, he's like, you're so positive. It's like rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> like, right? He's just like, he's like, everything's just happy. He's like, but sometimes guess what? Life is going to throw you lemons. And some, it's not always, I go, no, I go, trust me. I've had many of lemons delivered, you know, my way, but I said, I'm always trying to be optimistic and look on, you know, the bright side of your life. Right. <laughs> like, no, but like, he's like, you've gone through some crazy shiz, right? I mean, come on. I'm like, well, clearly he's like, he's like, well then how about, you know, if, uh, I would say I might die trying was one of my lyrics. Right. I was saying I might die trying. And he goes, how about you change it to, I will die trying. And I'm like, dude, that sounds so morose. He's like, but it's a possibility, isn't it? Right. Those things happen. It's kind of the reality of the world. And I was just like, Hmm, good point. So he helped me kind of find a path in that sense where I was like, you know what? It's okay to be, it's okay to be vulnerable and share art in a way that isn't so safe. Right. And so I took, so just from the lyrical context of that, I implemented that into what I do in regards to my whole show. And so I started playing with a lot of DJs. I started getting asked to play drums with a lot of DJs. I started seeing them, how they're mixing and what they're doing. And I was just like, hmm, all right, Chastity, remember that whole, you know, lyric situation you had with Simon? Like, don't play it safe. Like, I bet you, you could, I bet you, you could spin. I bet you could spin and DJ if you put your mind to it. I like that. I was like, you're, you're a producer, you're a freaking songwriter, you're an instrumentalist. Like, just learn the technology and get in there, you know? And I was like, two tears in a bucket. That's it. So I did. That's exactly what I did. I was like, I put both feet in. I literally put myself in DJ school, literally just was like, I'm going to go to DJ school instead of like doing what I did last time where I'm like, I'm going to sit here with the turntables all day and like try and figure it out. I was like, nah, I'm on a mission. I've already gotten to this point where I'm in my career. Like I need to go at it and I need to learn the fundamentals quickly. And that's really all I needed to do. I just needed how to learn how to use the equipment because again, I didn't know how to, I didn't need to learn how to beat match because I'm already a beat maker, right? So I already knew how to beat match, I already knew how to create, I already knew how to produce, I already knew how to write. So really I just needed to learn the technology of the equipment. And that's exactly what I did. And bam, I picked it up so quickly. It was so awesome. It was, it was very by the way, for anybody out there that thinks like DJing is super easy, it is completely not it's so funny you say that i i endeavored upon the same thing i started using ableton a couple years ago yeah Uh, yeah. and then i wanted to get uh you know some skills with that in the dj world so just much like you said so i can combine my guitar playing with you know some ableton tracks and with some some mixing you know of 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 the dj sort uh so i love it i'm infatuated with it i just haven't made time to learn the basics like you by the way where did you go to do that blank what's that shout out to point blank point blank dj school okay yeah they're the best they rock um they have one in london and la so they're amazing did you did you physically go to classes or did you do it online physically went to classes. Ah, nice. I put my in the lab. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a trip, you know. At first, it, 
you know, it's amazing when you're learning something new like that. It was like reading Sanskrit. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy moly, it just clicks. And again, because I spent hours and hours and hours over and over and over and over and getting frustrated and annoyed and pissed off and like happy. And then like pissed off again. And like, you know, and that's, that's what learning an instrument is. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like me just learning an instrument all over again, you know, cause it is, it really is an instrument. And, uh, yeah. And then I, it really took to me very, uh, uh, organically. I mean, honestly, it feels like a very visceral feeling DJing. And so what I decided to do, because that's what was happening is like, I'm playing drums for all these other artists. And I'm like, I could DJ, I could sing. I'm a singer. I can DJ and do my drums and I can be in the driver's seat of the music that's playing. I can be in the driver's seat of what's being created. And so, and don't get me wrong. I definitely gave myself a lot of hats that I wasn't prepared for, you know, but now it's again, come together. And so that's what I did. And not only that, I programmed a light show within my drum. That was a whole other, like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That's now we're getting to the because when, when I see all of your stuff online, it's incredible. So, I mean, obviously, it's an evolutionary process. How the heck did you get there with the light show and everything? Wow. Uh, well, I wanted to, like, I, you know, I had used lights, but that was another thing because when I was doing these gigs, I was like thinking to myself, like, how, how can I make this like visually look cool? You know, I'm already dancing and, and doing all these moves and, and, and figuring out like ways to, you know, I, I've always been like a natural performer, but I was like, it'd be cool if I could put some lights on my gym bay. I'm like, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. So I started like figuring out like where I could, so I found these like kind of like rinky dinky lights that like, you know, did the trick, you know, I was like, all right, this is cool. This works, you know? And then I started diving. That's again, like diving into a whole other realm, like uh-huh. lighting, right. I was like, Hmm, I found this one company, Galaxy Drums, and it was a brand new technology. And, uh, that, is a whole new thing that I'm integrating into my kid now. And so essentially I was like the test dummy. So like I had to build like what, like these strands, like one by one along all my drums and then learn how to program them and like get them to work in a way that created this dynamic uh, light show. And let me tell you that definitely sent tears down my eyes. That sucked. (laughs) <laughs> because like it would work and then it wouldn't and then it would work and then it didn't uh, and finally 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 work and then they'd be like oh it's because this is troubleshooting that's another thing everybody right. out there musicians listen troubleshoot 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 do not give up like you give up like then you know you 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 lost because you gave up not because you couldn't make it happen but anytime people lose is because they give up you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, I've tried everything. You're like, try something else. Try something. It's so true, man. I mean, looking, just looking at all of your videos and photos, it's incredible. You have some of the coolest shots. You have you have performed on some of the biggest stages in front of, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people at a time. And the fact is you did it all on your own. So I love that. I am no stranger to troubleshooting. I just did a gig. I did a gig two weeks ago, my first gig in a long time here in LA. And I was troubleshooting Ableton every day. Cause I was, I put together a set of like, you know, 40, 45 songs or whatever. 
And it's a lot of information, but you have to do that. You have to just get in there and work with it. And, and once again, that's where con- that, that consistency comes into play. Mm-hmm. If, if, if every day you say, okay, from 10 o'clock to four o'clock, I'm just going to work on my rig. It, after you do that for two, three weeks, you're going to figure it out. For sure. 100%. And if you don't, you figure out something else. And that was the thing, like with my lights, I was like getting so frustrated. I was like, all right, you guys, it's definitely none of this. So it's right. gotta be something else. Right. And they're like, you know, I think you're right. And sure enough, like it ended up being a software issue. <laughs> Damn, look at that. Now, they're like, oh, you need to do this or this. I'm like, no, it's not that. Sure now, if we, if we could talk about some of the specifics of how you run your show, what is the the brain? Do you, do you use a laptop or what are you doing? You know, what is the core of your of your show? I use Serato. Oh, so, yes, I'm using Serato live. Gotcha. Uh, I'm using an uh, Roland 808 mixer, nice. and I have a DW acrylic kit. It's uh, acoustic, but also integrated with rolling uh, electronic pads, wow. as well as a, uh, I also have the SPDSX, as well as my Octopad and a TR6, which I use to power my electronic pads. And so, and I also have an electronic kick. So what I've done is I have this whole, uh, you know, acoustic and electronic drum situation that is wrapped around in a half circle. And then my DJ rig is connected to the side of it. So I'm DJing and mixing. And then as I'm getting the tracks going, as I'm spinning, I jump onto the kit and I create this, you know, soundscape of beats and sounds with the deep, with the song that I'm spinning live. Then I come out from the kit and I do integrated dance with Jimbe and my dancers as well. So I have dancers that <laughs> that do a show with me. And then I also have my original songs that I perform live as well. So wow. I sing. So. I, I love it. I love it. Okay, it's so perfect. So what is the next step for Neon Pony? What are your plans here in the near future as the world com- slowly comes back to life? Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Tour, 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 tour. I'm actually going to shout out to Andrew Goodfriend at TKO. Um, he's my agent in Nashville. I'm actually going to go meet up with him. Nice. And uh, set up the game plan. And uh, he told me that super positive vibes coming down, coming down track that uh, stuff is starting to open up and festivals are starting to emerge. So, uh, I'm going to start getting on the festival circuit come here shortly, hopefully. 
fingers crossed. And um, so what I'm doing right now is just like I've been in the studio every day, just uh, churning out tracks and, and working on the set. And also another thing that I'm doing that uh, your listeners might not know about me, but I'm also a remix producer. Now that I started DJing, I've now started doing remixes. So like a lot of DJs out there do, right? So again, being the musician that I am, I actually got asked to do a country track, which is going to be coming out, which is, oh, it's so fire. I'm really proud of it, you guys. It's incredible. Um, And uh, that's going to be coming out with an artist. I can't tell you who yet. Okay. But I'm really stoked about it. So yeah, I even dove into the country music scene. Go figure. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So let me ask you this. Yeah. For, for again, for the aspiring, you know, professional or the or the musician who wants to get to the level of where you have reached or, or attained, um, you know, how do you answer the questions? Well, how did you get a manager? How did you get an agent? You know, how did you get hooked up with all these tours? How did you get hooked up with those? You know, that's obviously one of the biggest questions we always receive, right? So uh, what's your answer to that? I think that's a great question, actually. Um, for me, first and foremost, and this is what was also taught of me through mentors, is the most important thing to do is not make connections. It's create relationships. Yes. I always say it's the R word, baby. That's it. Great relationships. You know, become friends with people. Listen to them. Yeah. Learn about who they are instead of what you can get. You know? That and build relationships, that is when you are able to then segue it into possibly working together on a business level. You know? And that's how, you know, my manager, Jeff Blue, one of the greatest A&Rs ever. He's the best. And that's how I formulated my relationship with him. We became friends first. Yeah. Friends. And then after we became friends, and I just, I because think about it, people. Like, you're like, I need the best manager there is. And what if you and this manager don't click? What if you don't have this, the same vision? What if you, mm-hmm. you know, just because they're successful doesn't mean that they're going to be successful for you. That's you right. Know? got to learn do you even like each other you're going to connect and you hear all these like horror stories like this manager screwed me over or this artist screwed me over or this agent all these because guess what these people probably didn't know anything about each other and didn't have a relationship and sometimes they do and that's not always true but i I think you understand where i'm getting here and so with my manager perfect example you know i i was introduced and i created a friendship with him and out of the friendship he finally was like i gotta come see you play Great. Happened to come see me play, and he was like, uh, "We need to work together immediately." I was like, "Cool," <laughs> and that's how that's how it happened. And you know, he he discovered Lincoln Park, Macy Gray, like like this kid, or you name it. He was like he go to rock guy, and it was crazy that um, you know he and I had the same vision because. You know, we became friends and we understand our personalities and same with, and so that's kind of how it segues to, you know, meeting agents. And another thing is too, when you're out playing live and you're doing your thing, you never know who's there. And I tell people this all the time, like play like you're playing for Madison Square Garden, even if three people are there, that's you don't ever know who's there ever. You never know who's there. That's that right. Can help you in 
positive way excel at your craft, you know, or excel, you know, compel you into a different level of uh, uh, of your career. And so that's all, and that's always how it's happened. I I've played shows and like this person will come up to me and be like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Sure. Why not? And sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a yes, but you having those options, it's just getting out there. And that's another thing. Everybody's like waiting for the perfect gig. Are you kidding me? There've been so many times, like I told you earlier, where I'm like, they're like, Oh, come play this really rad club. It's going to be amazing. And you get there and like drive freaking 10 hours and you end up playing for like 10 people, you know, like, <laughs> like gut wrenching and like following siege. That is, you're just like, but guess what? You get up there and you play your freaking arse off. That's you right. Play your arse off. And then out of those 10 people, you just don't freaking know who's there. I mean, it happened in Beck. That's a, that's a really good story about Beck. He's playing some like, what if he's fine? And like, some like random dude like was like, dude, I'm so and so. And he's like, yeah, okay. And sure enough, you know, that was the, you know, Charlotte broke the panels back for him. But I mean, I find it that. The most important thing to do is, and you obviously clearly on the same page with me, is building relationships first and foremost. That's don't, right. Don't try and like formulate these like connections with people. I'm making connections, like it's nah. very, <laughs> absolutely meaningless, and they will serve your heart and your spirit nothing in the end. You know, that's right. It has to be organic, baby. It's like chasing wind, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually how you and I met. We were standing here at this jam card event, this big jam card event at uh, Crossroads. Uh, what is it? Crossroads of the World Studios here in Hollywood. And literally, I, I remember this vividly. I, I was standing there. You were standing there. There was hundreds of people around us. And we're just both kind of like standing there looking around. And I was like, hi. And you were like, hi. And there was like, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm so, And that's it. And it just happened organically. And here we are. Three years later, now we have, you know, we're friends, we're forming this relationship and, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Who knows what the future is going to hold? So exactly. Who knows what the future is going to hold? Amen. That's how it works, man. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Because <laughs> so, I know, I know for a fact we're going to work together because I, I definitely want to have you on some music at some point of, that I'm doing. So we got to create something together. So It's a moral imperative at this part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So listen, before we go, you down for some rapid fire? Oh, okay. Bring it. All right. Here we go. You ready? Sure. Song or band that changed your life? Bob Marley. Hidden Talents. <laughs> oh man, hidden talents. Oh, um, I would say, uh, I, I, I can make a dragon out of my hands. <laughs> a dragon out of your hands. Okay, that's kind of crazy, actually. Not everybody can do that. <laughs> As she as Chesley proceeds to do a dragon on Zoom, I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> All right, shopping online or in store? In store. Yeah. Name three tour essentials. Three tour essentials. Um, colloidal silver. Um, minerals. My uh, my Dr. Wallach minerals. Ninety essential. Ninety essential minerals. Wow. And uh, apple cider vinegar. 
All right. I like that. Favorite decade of music? Oh, man. I know. That's a tough one. Favorite decade of music? That's tough. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say the 90s. Okay. I like it. What do you spend your money on besides music equipment? That's where all my money goes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it's so true. So true. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. It's, yeah. it's, it's just never ending. It is. I put my money on, uh, you know, actually, horseback riding. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yep, that's Fa- definitely that's my money goes. Favorite city? Ooh. You've been to a lot of them. I've been to a lot. Oh, man. I'd have to say, I would have to say Rio de Janeiro. Ooh, nice one. As an entertainer, sometimes it could be hard, but what entertains you? Sometimes it's difficult for us to be entertained, right? So what do you enjoy? Um, I enjoy uh, I enjoy reading books on philosophy. Truly enjoy like full, great philosophers entertain me. Um, I'm obsessed with ufology. <laughs> ah. I like it. My wife is too. She's a diehard. <laughs> I mean, it's like literally would have probably been my other career. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm entertained by ufology in so many ways. Like any UFO documentary, I mean, I can watch. Like I feel like I've seen it. <laughs> You're it. I love it. And I and I love studying philosophy. I've been big into stoicism lately. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. Cool stuff. And uh, how about Ayn Rand? Have you ever read Ayn Rand? No, I have not. Uh, the Fountainhead or Atlas Shrug? Fountainhead, yes, of course. Yeah, that's Ayn Rand. Yeah. That's that's okay, yeah. It's good stuff, right? Yeah, that's awesome. It's rare that I find somebody who's into that stuff, so that's fun. Okay, an instrument you wish you played? Saxophone. Top three artists in your playlist? Uh, Zoo, uh, Rufus DeSoul, and uh, uh, Lane 8. Nice. None, I don't know any of those, so that's good to, to hear some oh. new stuff. Oh, yeah. They're ridiculous. Rufus to Soul is ridiculous. Please Sweet. All three of them are ridiculous. Uh, drink of choice, if you have one. Drink of choice? Like any drink? or uh, It could be a libation, an adult libation, or it could be a regular drink. It could be water, whatever. Corona. <laughs> I like it. See, <laughs> that's that's the the Los Angeles in you. I like it. Uh, oh, yeah, be <laughs> <laughs> Your friends would say you are. My friends would say I am peaceful. I like that. Studio or live? Which do you prefer? Live. I kind of figured that. All right, here we go. Last two. Dream collaboration, dead or alive? Cascade. Who? Cascade. Cascade. 
you know who Cascade is? Like the DJ? Yeah, do you know who he is? Yes. Yeah, he's also a pr- incredible producer. Ah, all right. Well, from your... Yeah, by the way, I hope you hear me, Cascade. It's going to happen. <laughs> I, I was going to say, from you directly to his ears, let's say, let's get him, let's get him on the line here. Okay, and finally, drum roll, please. <laughs> what would you do if you weren't a career musician? I would be an astronaut. I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm obsessed with astronomy. I studied it. I study it, believe it or not, this is going to sound ridiculous, but like, you know, people are trying to wind down at night and they like play games and things like that. I literally like read everything on space and astronomy. <laughs> like wow. I just dive into it and learn about like black holes and protons and neutrons and like the God particle and learn about like what's going on at the hydrogen collider and you know. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I want, to, I want to go to space. And speaking of which, since Virgin Galactic is a reality now, that's my goal. That is my goal is to get on a Virgin Galactic flight and go to space now that real humans will be, you know, and ordinary humans who are not, you know, right. Amazing astronauts get to go. So because I didn't get to become an astronaut, I will get as close as I can. So, yes. That's so cool. You know, uh, like I said, my wife loves watching these documentaries as well. And, uh, I can't remember which one, but I was learning about dark matter. Man, that is so, I mean, it's just, wow. It's really intriguing. Is That's it not? bizarre. It's yes. bizarre. I mean, and what's interesting now is that what they're discovering about black holes is like, there's more, there's more and more evidence leading to the fact that it's a passageway into another dimension. It's more and more leaning there. I mean, know? come on. That's just unfathomable. Come on. <laughs> black hole in the center of every single galaxy in the universe in every single center of every galaxy is a black hole how bizarre is that and to even know your little more because we have a black hole in our galaxy the milky way do you know that our galaxy is a hundred thousand light years from one side to another meaning you would have to travel 188,000 miles a second for a hundred thousand years just to get across our own galaxy. That's not all the other ones out there. So there you go. That's like my face is contorted. That is such a mind bender. Like, holy shiz, man. That's crazy. Uh, Well, Chastity Ashley, a.k.a. Neon Pony, I am so glad we connected. And I am so glad to, to tell your story, to have you tell your story here on The Career Musician. Total honor, honestly. I mean, you're definitely my spirit animal. You're wonderful. Like, energy tracks energy, and I'm so grateful to have been able to celebrate a day on planet Earth with you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 